morning. You're searching for your mind, don't know where to start. Can't find the key to fit the lock on your heart. You think you know, but you are never quite sure. Your soul is ill, but you will not find a cure. Your world was made for you by someone above, but you choose evil ways instead of love. You made me master of the world where you exist. The soul I took from you was not even missed. Lord of this world, evil possessor, Lord of this world, He's your confessor now. You think you're innocent. You've nothing to fear. You don't know me, you say, but isn't it clear? You turn to me in all your worldly greed and pride, but will you turn to me when it's your turn to die? Now I kind of see this modern poem as a letter. And I'm sure being the astute, sharp crowd that you are, you can guess who wrote the letter. It was written by Satan. And it's probably, I'm sure you can guess, written to us. And the funny thing is, at the end, it sounds almost like he's whining. Because he's been telling us through the whole letter, you've done this, you've come to me for this, you've ignored the person who created the world for you and you made me the master of everything, but then when you're ready to die, you run away. That's just not fair. So what does that tell us? Well, it tells us we need to know who we're dealing with and what he does. But to know your enemy, you got to kind of know, like most stories, there's a good guy and a bad guy. So who's the good guy? The good guy is God. And who is God? He's the Father. He's the Creator. He's the Maker. And what does He do? He creates. But why does He create? Because He loves. He loves His children. First Peter tells us, cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. Exodus 20 says, I am a jealous God. And unfortunately for Oprah, she misunderstood this when she objected to this particular scripture. I saw her on one of her shows, I don't know how many years ago, and she said she had heard as she was growing up that God was a jealous God. And she didn't understand, why could God be jealous of me? You know, He's God. Why is He jealous of me? And it didn't make any sense to her, so she said it doesn't, doesn't bother being worried about. Doesn't have to worry about God, because if He's jealous of somebody, that's not right. Well, you got your preposition wrong. He's not jealous of you. He's jealous for you. He wants your love and only your love. He doesn't want you to give your love to anybody else. He wants your love. So He's jealous for you. So that's God's love. What else is God? He's all-powerful. He can't be defeated by anybody. Satan tried a long, long, long time ago and got resoundingly defeated, cast out. And he tells us in Romans, no, that's the nor height nor depth passage, nothing can separate us from God, nothing can take us away from Him. So it's a pretty daunting task to go after the good guy. And then there's also God the Son who came down to show us how to live with our Father the right way. And because He loves us also, He died in our place. Just as I'm sure all parents would happily die in the place of their children if they needed to. That's what good parents would do. Notice the word good. 
So then there's God the Holy Spirit. Well, He inspires us with the truth, lets us hear and discern between what is true and what is not true. But He doesn't force us to listen to Him. We have to be open to listen to Him. So that's the good guy. So who's the bad guy? Well, the bad guy is somebody that opposes the good guy. So just to use an example, if Father Ronnie were my enemy and I jumped on him and wanted to beat him down, but he ended up beating me up and convincing me I can't do anything to him physically. There's no way I, I can beat him up. There's nothing I can do. But I hate him anyway. So what do I do? How do I, how do I, how do I cause him pain? How would you do it? Mentally. Mentally. And you go after what he loves. So I go after his kids. I bet that would hurt him. I bet that would hurt him real bad. If I go after his kids, kidnap them, do horrible things to them, kill them, whatever, would be terrible. Is that what the devil does? Sure it is. It's the only thing he can do. He can't go after God directly. But what's almost worse in some ways than taking somebody's kid and killing them? What if you convince the kid, he's not your daddy. I am. Or this person over here is. I'm sure on Father's Day or Mother's Day, if your kids went to your neighbor's house and said, Happy Mother's Day, Happy Father's Day, Hey Granddaddy, Merry Christmas, Hey Grandma, Happy Mother's Day, how would that make you feel? How bad would that hurt to see that every single day for your entire life? I mean, I don't, I don't know which would be worse, really, but I would, almost, I would almost lean towards having to live your entire life and see your kids or grandkids go to somebody else and treat that person as if it was his or her parent or grandparent. So how brokenhearted is God when we do that? And how sneaky does the devil have to be to go after the kids? Because it's the only thing he can do to oppose God and go after them. What did he do in Genesis? He went after Adam and Eve. He'd already learned he can't go after God and His kingdom in heaven, so he went after his kids in the garden and convinced them, you can eat that fruit, it's not going to kill you. And technically, he wasn't lying. But it is possible to lie while telling the truth. Just watch the news. You can tell all the truth you want to, but still be telling a lie because of the part you're leaving out. Because he could have been meaning when he said, oh, you're not going to die when you eat that fruit. He could have meant, you're not going to die right now. It's not poison. You're not going to drop dead right in front of me. And he left out the part, it's going to cause death to enter the world. It's going to come later. And that's the, that's the most insidious thing, is having truth be told to you in the midst of telling you a lie. Because then how do you know? Well, that's where God's Holy Spirit can come in. And you can listen to Him, and He can reveal to you that tr what truth is. So what else can you do in, in the lie? And maybe go back to, let's go back to the parable of the weeds. And weeds grow up with the wheat. I guess in this one we're wheat. So you're a big stalk of wheat. I hope you don't mind being called a wheat stalk. And the weeds are the bad people who are inspired by the devil to come in and infiltrate. I mean, isn't that what you would do? If I oppose Father Ronnie 
and I want to go after his organization that he runs, I'm going to put some bad people in it so I can distract them and make them love somebody else, make them believe something else that is not true. I don't know, maybe you take the largest Christian denomination church and infiltrate it with a bunch of homosexual pedophiles. Maybe that's a good idea. Why not? How else are you going to turn people away from the church? If you, if you infiltrate the church, the church leadership with some really, really bad people. I mean, we're bad enough without the devil, but I mean, when he, gets, when he helps us out, it can get real bad. Or maybe you go to the Baptist church and do the same thing. I mean, why not? You did it with one, might as well do it with the other. We've got to know what he's thinking and how, what his methods are if we're going to fight against him. Good, a good strategist in battle will tell you to study your enemy, know what he's going to do, know his methods. And his methods, his main method is deceit. That's why he's called the deceiver. He's going to lie to you and tell you, oh, this person is trustworthy. This person over here is going to tell you the truth. This one's trustworthy because he has Ph.D. after his name. This person's even more trustworthy. He's got M.D. after his name. Well, they can all lie because he can feed them as many lies as, as he wants to. And it can sound really, really good. But it's not. Because the devil, like First Peter also says, he's like a roaring lion, and he goes about seeking whom he may devour. Well, who's easier to devour? Some healthy man or woman, adult, or little kids? So when you infiltrate the church with bad people, who are they going to go after? They're going to go after the kids. How many of those kids now hate the church and hate God because of that? How many of their parents... How many of the church members left who were long-standing church members and left the church? All because of a little bit of infestation of some weeds. Because that's the way the devil works. And we have to be alerted to it. We have to know when false belief systems are coming up. We have to know the false idols. Whether it's your stuff, the stuff you like to watch, your fall football season, your spring basketball season, whatever it is to distract you from the truth. And the truth is the only thing that matters. As Paul said in the, or in the Romans reading, there, what's the suffering today does not even compare to what comes after. And of course, when you have a whole bunch of massive deception, you also have fear and you don't trust anybody or anything. I don't trust anything I see on the I hear on the radio. I was about to say see on the radio. <laughs> hear on TV or see on the radio. I don't trust any of it. I think they're all lying in some way. Every person that's on there, no matter what channel you turn it on, is telling some level, some form of a lie for whatever reason. I think probably the devil is involved in a whole bunch of it. All these conspiracy theories that everybody likes to float around, maybe they're true, but they're just not conspiracies of mankind. There's really only one person who can orchestrate a global conspiracy, or even a conspiracy in one state or one whole country. There's only one person who can really do it, because we're too busy arguing with each other. But he can convince enough people of the same lie, just as he did Adam and Eve. So what, what the heck do we do? We have all this lies, all this untruth, all these attacks. What can we do? We have to remember what God tells us. 
God tells us that nothing can separate Him from us. Nothing. Nothing, I think, in this instance means nothing. I'm pretty sure the Hebrew, the Greek, the Latin, any other language you want to translate it into, it means nothing. But there is, I think, one thing that can pull us away from Him. Just like a little kid, when mom or dad grabs their hands... I think we're the only ones who can pull ourselves from God because He's not going to drag us kicking and screaming into heaven. We have to fight against the devil, fight against his lies. James 4 says, Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You know why that is? Not necessarily because we're more powerful, but who is in us to resist the devil? God is. The Holy Spirit is. And He already knows how bad of a butt-kicking He got from God and what the Holy Spirit can do to Him. So He's going to run. He's going to flee. But we have to know what, he's, what He does. Because we feel lost. We feel like we have a lock on our heart, like the poem said, and we can't unlock it. And we go to the wrong thing. Because he'll say, oh, this will make you happy. Drink this. Smoke this. Snort this. Inject this. Watch this. Do this. Follow this person. And it's always the wrong thing. It's tried to get us as far away from God as possible. So we have to trust, and there's that word again, trust. Amidst all these lies, we have to find somebody to trust. Trust that God is who He says He is when He says, do not fear. Be alert and of sober mind. Which means, I don't care how strongly you feel about a particular topic that's on the news or how strongly you feel about what somebody in the line at the grocery store is saying to you, if they're close enough now to where you can hear them. You have to be alert and sober of mind, which means don't get riled up just because he or she may say something that sounds stupid because it may not be him that's talking. She may be speaking a lie whispered to her from somebody else. Or maybe you've got to examine what you think is true and maybe it's God trying to whisper to you through her or through him. Well, we've got, we've got to know whom we're dealing with. And I, he's clever. He's real smart real smart. Comes up with a lot of really good schemes. Infiltrates churches with bad people. Puts words in pastors' mouths that probably if they thought about it they would, ref they would say, wait a minute that doesn't sound right. And he's been doing it from the very beginning. From the, who knows how early it was in the days of the garden he started right off. Took part of God's truth when God said this tree is bad for you. And he said, well, no, it's not going to kill you. Left out the word right now. And they believed it because they wanted to. Let's give them their due. They're also to blame for it. They were standing probably under the tree, looking at it, wondering, why can't I eat this? And he came along and said, eh, you can eat it. It's not that bad for you right now. Maybe in a few years it will be. Left out that part. So as much as we need to know who God is and trust Him, we've got to know who we're against and how He's going to think and what He's going to do and the horrible things He's going to do to us. 
So when He goes after your kids or He goes after you or He goes after somebody you think is trustworthy, you can recognize it and you can fight against Him. Because in the end, what, is Jesus, what did Jesus' parable tell us? We'll worry about it at harvest. And when the harvest comes, we're going to separate the wheat and we're going to separate the weeds. Because if we yank up the entire Roman church right now, guess what? You're going to lose a whole bunch of people that don't need to be lost and that wouldn't be lost. But if you wait till the harvest, then you can more correctly separate the bad from the good and burn the good, burn the bad, excuse me, burn the bad, I wanted to say good first. I wanted to give what was going to happen to the good stuff first, and then I changed it because I wanted that to be last. So I only changed it in part of what I was going to say. You burn the bad, and then the good gets put in that storehouse that is safe and secure, and nothing, there's that word again, nothing can assault it. A third of the angels can try like as much as they wanted to. They didn't get it. Because they can't. Because He's sovereign, all-powerful, creator, king of the universe. And that's what we have to trust. Nothing that happens here or now, yeah, it's bothersome, it hurts, but in the end, like Paul said, it really doesn't matter because it doesn't compare to what comes next. So, but we need to take, we do need to take care of each other, watch out for each other, love each other, but don't let it bother you too much. Because God's going to sort it all out. Because He loves us. Because we're His kids. Go sit in Daddy's lap. Amen.